good morning. Good to see you all. If you have a Bible, please open up to Ephesians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be today. And as you're opening up there, you may want to mark a place at Psalm 25. We're going to look there in just a moment as well. We're in a Lenten series on prayer. And uh, week one, we talked about adoration, spending time praising God for who he is, his character, his nature. Uh, the second week, we talked about intercession and how we pray for other people. Last week, we talked about petition and ways that we can pray for ourselves from the book of Ephesians. Uh, and this week, we're going to talk about contemplation and listening. Now, where we're going in this series is that next week, we're going to talk about spiritual warfare from Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, have you ever experienced spiritual warfare before in your life? Oh, there's a few of us. Great. Uh, so that'll be for us, and uh, that'll be wonderful. Uh, then the week after that, we're going to talk about unanswered prayer. Have you ever had an unanswered prayer and you wondered why? Uh, we're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks, and that'll take us all the way to Easter, where we're going to talk about the prayer that God always answers. But like I said, today we're going to talk about contemplation and listening. And as we jump in, would you please bow with me and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this moment Lord, we are so thankful that your spirit is here among us, and we just ask now that as we open up your word, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us today. Lord, we love you. We really do. And we thank you for your presence. We pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. And everybody said, amen. There's a world of difference between these two phrases. The two phrases are, God got my attention, and God has my attention. Those are two different things. Now, both are good, and both are a work of grace in our life. There are times in our life where God simply needs to get our attention, right? We're doing our own thing, we're living our own way, and we need God to intervene in some way and to get our attention on some level. But there's a world of difference in living in those two places where God always has to get our attention, maybe even in some dramatic way, and where God has our attention in an ongoing way. One is what I call passive listening, where, where God always has to get our attention in some way. The other is called active listening, where we are actively listening for the voice of God in our life. And we know the difference between these two phrases because a lot of times uh, we say things like, if God wants to, if God wants to speak, he can speak. If God wants to move, he can move. If God wants to guide me in some way, he can guide me. If God wants to correct me in some way, he can correct me. And that, that's, very, that's a passive way of approaching our relationship with God. The active way, instead of saying, if God wants to, when we're actively listening, that's when we're saying, I want God. I want God to speak. I want God to help me learn. I want God to show me his ways. I want God to give me instructions. I want God to correct me. So again, these two approaches, both are good and both are needed and right. But I believe that one of the things that we need to build into our life is active listening. Active listening, where we are actively wanting God to speak to us and show us who he is and show us how to live. One of the greatest examples of this is Psalm 25 verses 4 and 5. I love what David says here. In Psalm 25 verse 4 and 5, David says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. That word ways there is a very important word. It's like, Lord, show me the journey that I'm on. Show me the journey that you want me to be on. We use the language, God, show me your will. 
He says, make me to know your ways, the journey that I'm on, O Lord, and teach me your paths, meaning teach me how to live in the journey that I'm on. Lord, Lord, show me the journey that I'm on, but also teach me how do you want me to think? How do you want me to feel? How do you want me to behave? How do you want me to act while I'm living on this journey that you have for me? Verse 5, he says, lead me in your truth. That word lead means continue to draw me in. It's as if he's saying to God, continue to motion to me that I would come, that you would be my guide, and keep getting my attention in this way. But notice what he says next. He says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. What he says is that there is no salvation that I can experience in this life or the next that comes from any other place or any other person than you. So his conclusion in verse 5 is, For you I wait all the day long. For you I wait. That word wait there means to eagerly await. What David is asking for here is that God would make known to him his ways, the journey that he's on, teach him his past, teach him how to live on that journey, that he would lead him, that would continually draw him because all salvation comes from God. And then he says, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to eagerly await, and I'm anticipating that you are going to speak, that you're actually going to instruct me, that you're actually going to guide me, that I have a guide in this life, and I'm not just aimlessly wandering around trying to make it on my own, David says. Now, when we come to the New Testament, Jesus shows up on the scene, and people begin to question him about God, particularly about hearing God's voice and knowing God's will, and what, what does that mean, and what could it be? And in John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, Jesus is having a conversation with some of the religious people and the Jews of his day. And in John chapter 8, verse 47, Jesus gives this warning to them and to us. Jesus says to them, whoever is of God hears the words of God. He says, the reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Now that's a wake-up call. Jesus says, if you are of God, if you have a relationship with the Father, you're actually going to hear his words. You're going to hear his voice. But if you do not have a relationship with the Father, you're not going to hear him. You're not going to understand him. Two chapters later, Jesus is teaching how that he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep. And in John 10, verse 4, he says that the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They know his voice. Just like when one of your friends or family members or a spouse or, or a child calls you on the phone, you don't need the caller ID. You know it is their voice. It's the same thing with God. When we are walking in this active relationship with God, we hear his voice, but we also understand his voice, and we know that it is God. We know that it is him. But part, our part in this is we have to actively listen. Actively listen which is something we're not always good at. So where we are in Ephesians is Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 13 here in just a moment. Let me summarize 1 through 12 for you. Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2 starts off, and Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Now, how do we do that? He says, Be imitators of God as beloved children, verse 2, and walk in love. What does love look like? He says, As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
So right here, what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 is that our job is to be imitators of God. The word imitator there, the Greek word, is where we get our English word for mimic. We are to mimic God. We are to do what we see God doing, say what we hear God saying, right? And if we're going to do that, what does that look like? We have to walk in love. If we're going to understand love, we have to understand Jesus, we have to walk in love as he walked in love, which was a sacrificial love. So that's what Paul wants for the church in Ephesus. He wants them to be imitators of God who are walking in Christ-like sacrificial love. The question is, how do we do that? In verse 3, he starts giving a litany of, of ways that we do not walk in love. He starts telling us what it looks like actually to walk in darkness. And what are the deeds of darkness that play out in our life. And one of the things that Paul is telling us here is that playing in darkness is always fun until you get hurt or you hurt someone else. Playing in darkness is always fun. That's why the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. There's pleasure in sin for a season. Playing in darkness is always fun until you get hurt or you hurt someone Else. When I was 10 years old, I went to a birthday party. It was a spend-the-night party. And, uh, of course, it was late at night. And, uh, you know, I was a very intelligent young man at 10 years old. And so uh, we all were playing hide-and-seek outside in the woods. And because we wanted to live into the southern stereotype, we were barefooted. Why? I don't know. I have no idea. But we were. And so we're playing hide-and-seek out in the woods, and, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I was pretty smart, so I didn't want to go way out into the woods like some of the other idiots, so I wanted to stay a little closer. So I went about 50 feet out from the porch, which was base, and the guy was counting to 100. One of my friends was counting to 100, and I just went over and I hid behind a tree. And so sure enough, he counted, he said 100, ready or not, here I come, and he took off running around the house. And then I saw my opportunity. There were the steps. That was home base. I was going to be the first one to make it there. So I take off running at the speed of cold molasses because I'm not fast. And as I'm running, all of a sudden, my foot collides with something that does not move. Now, have you ever seen the cartoon about the you know, Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote and the anvil falls on him all the time? You ever seen that? Okay, hang on to that. As I'm running through the woods there, trying to get to the steps, make it to home base, my foot collides with something that does not move. Luckily, my friend's mother was a nurse. She taped all my toes together and all that stuff. It was really bad. I said, what did I run over? What did I hit? And someone went back a few feet. They shined a flashlight, and sure enough, it was an anvil. It, in the woods which is a really good place for an anvil. You know, it's like only in Alabama would we have an anvil sitting in the woods, and I would run into it because I was barefooted, of course, playing hide-and-seek, right? It's always fun to play in the dark until you get hurt or you hurt someone else. And that's the point that Paul is making. So in verse 8, he says this. He says, walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. And he tells us, for the fruit of light is found in what is good, right and true. And then verse 10, he says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That is our job, to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Again, a lot of times we just say, if God wants me to know what's pleasing to him, he'll just tell me. No, 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 that's our job. I want to know what's pleasing to the Lord. He says, discern that. 
Verse 11, he says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, expose them. So pick it up in verse 13, he says this, but when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. What Paul is trying to get the church in Ephesus to do right here is to be intentional in prayer, to be intentional in prayer and come before the Lord and expose what is going on within them. To be honest and to come before the Lord so that what the darkness that is within them can be exposed before a holy God. Now here's the thing, we, we like to read these passages and say, okay, my job is to go expose darkness in someone else's life. That's not what he's saying. So many times in life, we try to hold the world to Christian standards when they're not, the wor when they're not Christians, right? He's talking to the church here. He's saying, I want you to go before the Lord so that what is going on inside of you can be exposed by the light of God. Now, that's a really hard thing. That's a challenging thing when you think about it. To go before the Lord, have an open and honest conversation about what's going on on the inside of you. That's tough. Here's the thing you gotta remember. He already knows. He already knows. He just wants your relationship with him to be built on trust. In order for it to be built on trust, you need to have a conversation about what's really going on in your heart and in your soul. And exposing what is really going on in your heart and soul is far less painful than what a depraved soul can do to others and to yourself. It's far less painful than the pain you will cause yourself and others. And so the Lord says, come, come. And the reason why is because he does not want you to carry the load of guilt and shame and unforgiveness around. Because that, that weight will just crush you. It'll crush you every single time. And so he says, come and let's talk about what's going on in your heart and in your mind and in your soul. Because God wants to shine light. He wants to give forgiveness. Even though other human beings do not want to do that all the time, right? I mean, we know how human relationships work, right? I mean, so many times as humans, we hold grudges. We judge other people. We like to point fingers, but not with God. Not with God. He loves to give forgiveness and set us free. That's what he does. That's why whenever we forgive another person, whenever they have wronged us, I mean, that is the work of the Holy Spirit because we do not naturally do that. But God does. And he invites us to come and to lay bare what is going on in us before him. And some of you right now, you probably, if I'm a betting man, which I'm not, I thought that was really funny. Thank you, Colin, for laughing. <laughs> I would, if I were a betting man, which I'm not, <laughs> I would dare say that some of you are carrying a heavy burden right now. And that burden of shame or guilt or unforgiveness has been weighing you down. And the invitation from God is that that darkness can be exposed in the light. And the question is, how do we get there? In Ephesians 5, he gives us five ways. Five ways to let God's light shine into our darkness. Five ways. We pick it up in verse 14. He says, for if anything, uh, anything that becomes visible is light, therefore it says. He, therefore it says. Now the it there 
What, the, what he's about to quote is probably a hymn or a poem that was sung or prayed in the Ephesian church in the first century. So he's quoting their worship music. So he says, therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Right there he says two things. The first thing that he tells us, that if, if God's light is going to shine into our darkness, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. We have to come to that place where we're willing to be honest with ourselves even before we are honest with God. We have to come to that place where we can be honest about what is going on in our life with ourselves. And again, this is a scary thing, a scary thing. To pause and really think about the things that are going on in me that are not of him. But he says you got to wake up. You got to wake up from, he says, arise from the dead or arise from your sleep or your slumber. You have to, as, as the prodigal son who left the father, and while he was away from the father, the text says he came to his senses. He realized this is not the life that the father has for me. We have to have that moment where we're willing to be honest with ourselves before a holy God. And instead of hiding it, instead of denying it, instead of running from it, we come to that moment where we say, I'm going to be honest. God, I'm going to be honest. What I'm feeling right now is not of you. What I'm thinking right now is not of you. What I'm doing right now is not of you. We need that moment of honesty. Because in that moment of honesty, we are waking up to our desperate need for God. And so the first thing he says that we have to do, if God's light is going to shine into our darkness, is we have to have that moment where we wake up. And we stop playing games in life. And we get real and raw and honest with ourselves. What he says will happen, the second thing, is that if we wake up, Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. We need Jesus to shine his light into our darkness. In fact, if you look in John's gospel, the ministry of the Messiah was to come and do precisely that. In fact, you could turn over there to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. If you go down to verse 9, it says, The true light, speaking of Jesus, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is why Jesus came. He came to shine his light into our darkness. And in doing so, it exposes all that's going on in us. And when we will come to that place where we will be honest with ourselves, we will wake up. Christ will shine on us. He will shine in us and expose all that's taking place in our lives so that it can be dealt with. Again, this is scary. It's a little nerve-wracking. The problem is that most of the time, not most of the time, some of the time, some of the time we want to get just close enough to Jesus to where just a little bit of his light shines on us. We don't want to get too close to Jesus where too much light shines on us and exposes too much of who we really are to ourselves and to others. And when we're playing that game, living in that place, where we're going just close enough to Jesus so I can go to heaven one day, when we're playing that game, we have to really ask ourselves, do we really know him? 
is he really Lord of our life in that moment? So what Paul says is the first thing we have to do is we have to wake up. And when we wake up, Christ will shine on you. But he does not leave us there. Notice what he says next in verse 15. He says, look carefully then. Notice, look carefully then. He says, after you wake up, have an honest conversation with yourself before our holy God and Christ shines into your life. He says, look, look carefully then how you walk the path you're on, the journey that you're on, just like Psalm 25. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Notice the progression. The first thing he says is we need to wake up. The second thing is that Christ will shine on you. The third thing, he says, look carefully at your walk because you can see now. You can actually see more of who you are now before the Lord. You see, when Jesus exposes our darkness, he does not leave us there. Notice that it says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. What Jesus does is he provides the wise, godly way for us to move forward in life because that's what God wants for us. God does not just want to make us feel guilty about our sin. God does not just want to make us feel shame about someone else's sin against us and the pain that we've experienced. No, he wants to help us move forward. So he shines his light so that we can look and we can see and then we can choose the wise, godly path in how we move forward. So the first thing he says is we need to wake up. Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then because now you can see. And then number four, he says in verse 16, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He says, wake up, Christ will shine on you. Look carefully because now you can see. And the fourth thing is make time for God's best today. Do it today. He says, you, whenever you see who you really are in light of God and whenever God is moving in your life, he gives you the wise godly option, the wise godly choice in how you move forward. And so choose that. And then make the best, make the most of the opportunity that you have as God is leading you and instructing you and guiding you. You see, if we're not intentional about living into God's best for our life, we're naturally just going to fall back into darkness. We do it every time. See, the question is not will we pray, just will we pray this kind of prayer? Will we expose who we are before God? The question is will we be obedient? And we will follow, will we follow as he leads us moving forward? That's the question. So notice the progression, wake up. Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then because now you can see and then make time for God's best in your life. And then number five, he says in verse 17, he says, therefore do not be foolish. There is a way to live that is foolish. He says, but do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, when you live this kind of life, being honest before the Lord, exposing what's going on in your soul, in your heart, in your mind before the Lord. When you wake up, he will shine on you so that you can see, so that you can live the kind of life that God has called you to live, and there you're gonna know what the Lord's will is. So many times we would, you know, we kind of approach God, we would never say this out loud, but we kind of approach God like, God, why don't you just kind of tell me what your will is for my life, and I'll see if I wanna do that. The problem with that approach is that God's not interested in you weighing your options. And he knows that his will is always better than anything you could ever come up with. And so God does not just download his will to us on the front end, but he says, you need to wake up. Moment by moment, day by day, continue to wake up 
Let Christ shine on you so that you can see, so that you can look and see and see the wise, godly option that he has for you. He says, and then make time for God's best in your life. And as you do that, God is going to continue to reveal his will to you. Now, you may be sitting there going, Chris, I thought this was a sermon series on prayer. Well, it is. And here's where prayer comes in. And this is hard. The question is, can you slow down enough? Can you slow down enough in life? And I'm not talking about just sit still for a sermon. Can you slow down everything that is just running through your mind right now and be honest with yourself? about yourself and can you slow down enough not just to be honest with yourself about yourself about what you know about yourself but to let Christ shine on you and expose what's going on on the inside of you can we slow down enough and just stop talking for a few minutes in the presence of God so that we can hear his voice about what's going on on the inside of us are we willing are we willing to look for God's wise path for our life and then are we willing not just to pray it but to be obedient to it and therefore know his will for our life Life is running 90 to nothing. We are constantly connected to someone or something or someone through something called a phone, right? Life is going crazy around us. And the question is, can we slow down enough to really hear from him? Can we calm our mind and our anxious heart so that he can shine? Because you can know God's will for your life. You're not going to know all the details, no. You're not going to know all the ins and outs, but you can know his will for your life. And the Bible says we have not because we ask not. But when we ask, we have to be willing to slow down and listen so that he can answer. Some of you right now may be living in a place of confusion about yourself, about God, about where God's taking you in your life, but you may just get the answer if you would slow down long enough to let him shine in your darkness so that you can hear his voice. A few weeks ago, I gave a challenge. I called it the two-minute challenge. Spend two minutes in adoration where you're praying and you're not asking God for anything. Well, we've had a few weeks since then. I want to give you an eight-minute challenge this morning. Sound good? You like homework? No, me neither. <laughs> but here it is anyway. First two minutes, just spend time praising God for who he is, adoring him. Don't ask for anything. The second two minutes, pray for someone else. Pray God's blessing over your family, over friends. Pray for other people 
the third two minutes. Pray for yourself. We talked about that last week. And then the last two minutes, just listen. Just listen. Take time to listen. You never know what he might say. You never know what you're wrestling with right now, what you're struggling with right now, that he wants to bring clarity on. If you would just calm down, slow down, and give him an opportunity to speak. Again, the difference is if God wants versus I want God. I want us to be a people who lives the latter, who says, you know what, I want God. I want his voice in my life. I want his instruction, his correction, whatever it is he wants to bring, but I'm actively going to listen for that. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So right where you are, just look at your neighbor and say, it's about to get really quiet. Yeah. All right, now get really quiet. Close your eyes. You know, there's nothing super spiritual about closing your eyes other than the fact it helps you concentrate. We're going to take just a minute. We're almost done. I know you want lunch. It's coming. Close your eyes. Just take a deep breath. And don't ask for anything other than to say, God, I want to hear from you. I just want to hear from you. I'm one of your sheep. I want to hear your voice. I want to recognize it when you speak. you're hearing what the Lord has to say to you today. Knowing that it is entirely bathed in his love for you. His desire to expose the darkness is only so that he can bring you into his joy and his goodness and his light. If there's someone here today in the room, watching online, and you know your whole life has been in darkness and you've never allowed Christ to shine into your heart at all. You've never received him as Lord and Savior. I wanna invite you to do that today, to wake up, to respond to him. You could pray something just simple like this. God, I admit my life has been darkness and guilt and shame. 
but I'm hearing your voice now. I'm sensing that you're calling me, and I thank you that you gave Jesus to die on a cross for my sin because you love me so much that you wanted to forgive me of everything that separates me from you and that you raised him from the dead to give me a new life now in the light, to walk with you now and to live with you forever. And so Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Come shine on me, show me your path. Give me the power to walk in it and I will follow you all the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. That's you today, I'd love to talk with you after the service. If you're watching online, there's a number that you can text into. Our team would love to follow up with you. For those here in the room, we'll also have prayer volunteers uh, that can pray with you after the service today. But whatever the next step is, that the Lord is speaking to you as you're hearing his voice. My prayer is that you'll go from this place, take the next step in the light with him, amen? So why don't you stand and receive this blessing as we go out. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine on you. May you know that Christ is shining on you and may the way of light be clear before you, your feet. May you run in it with joy and may you become light for others so that as you go out from this place, you not only expose the darkness, but lead others into the love and joy and truth and peace that are found only in Christ Jesus. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace.